You're listening to the podcast from Barnabas Fund. Welcome to this week's Barnabas Fund podcast. And I'm joined today by Hendrik Storm, our international CEO, and Matthew Martin to discuss in the news. And our lead story this week is about the Armenian genocide. Matthew. Yes, thank you, Andrew. This story is following on from a Barnabas Fund initiative um, to ask governments around the world to recognise the Armenian genocide. This is part of our campaign to to achieve that international recognition. Barnabas Fund has stepped up pressure on the UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, uh, urging him to recognise the Armenian genocide in which 3.75 million Christians died. Dr. Patrick Sukdeo, the International Director of Barnabas Fund, he's, uh, he's written, uh, Recognition of the Armenian Genocide is the right and just thing to do, not only for the 1.5 million Armenian victims who died and the 2.25 million Assyrian, Syriac and Greek victims who also died, but also to make clear that the genocide of this nature will not be ignored and should never happen again. Ironically, the the letter to Boris Johnson um, notes that his great-grandfather, Ali Kamal, a Muslim Turkish journalist, uh, opposed the genocide, and he was lynched in 1922 for his perceived disloyalty to the Ottoman Empire. Um, We've delivered the letter to Downing Street on the 18th of March, and Dr. Sukdeo's plea is supported by the primate of the Diocese of Armenian Church in the UK and the island bishop, Hovakim Manukan. Now, um, Hendrik, um, we've also um, been putting pressure on other governments, haven't we, including the Biden administration in the US? Yeah, absolutely. So a similar letter was written by um, Dr. Patrick Sigdeo with uh, uh, with some Armenian supporters and some of our, um, uh, our trustees in the US. They um, also called on um, on Biden to formally recognize um, the, um, the the Armenian genocide. Interestingly, um, the U.S., both um, the House of Representatives and the Senate, um, so the Congress, U.S. Congress, um, have already voted to formally recognize the Armenian genocide, but um, the president had not, up to this point in time, um, signed it and, and formally recognized it. So, um, so it's it's just still pending. Um, but during the election, um, Biden did make a promise that uh, um, if he gets elected, that he will formally recognize the Armenian genocide. So, um, so the letter that Dr. Patrick Sugdeya wrote to, uh, um, to, to President Biden was partly to remind him of that promise. Um, and there are some rumors, um, some positive rumors, that, uh, um, uh, that he, will, he will do that. So the, the hope presumably is that it, with the, the American president doing that, we hope, the dominoes will fall Mm. in that direction all mm. over the West. Mm. Because we, uh, there are, you know, quite a number of governments who haven't recognised. Yeah, the, the vast majority, you know, and, and um, as Matthew said, um, certainly the, the, the UK um, haven't done, done so either. So, uh, um, so you, you know, there's, there's so many geopolitical um, uh, issues at play here with, yeah. with, with, with Turkey being in NATO and, um, and, and all of the other um, regional political connections, um, which is why um, many uh, governments have been hesitant to, uh, to proceed. But if the US certainly um, does it, then uh, it will give, uh, give a lot of cover. But, but why is it important? You know, why, why, why is it important to recognize the Armenian genocide? You know? um, and um, you know, now uh, in, the, in the news article that we put out, um, uh, we put out earlier this week, 
Um, you know, we, we do say that we have to recognize past genocide of, of Christians, you know, um, to, to help prevent future genocides um, on, uh, on Christians, especially Armenians, as, as they are currently um, under pressure yet again. Um, and we, 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 have to, we have to recognize so that we can, if we forget history, um, we can't learn from history. Um, and it's uh, it's vitally important. And there, there is that. some immediate background to this as well, isn't there? Uh, Matthew, take us through the conflict that we saw last last um, in the autumn. Yeah, j- just to go back before that a little bit, um, Hitler, when discussing his own genocidal plans, uh, remarked, who after all speaks today of the annihilation of the Armenians? Um, Hendrik talking about the background there. If we don't learn about our past, how are we going to how are we going to work out the future? Um, but again, fast forwarding to, to last autumn in Nagorno-Karabakh, um, there was um, Azerbaijani forces entered Armenian uh, enclave, um, which has been occupied f- by the Armenians for, for quite a while now, and um, and started uh, attacking. Um, and uh, we've had reports of various uh, human rights abuses, um, Armenian prisoners of war suffering torture, mistreatment at the hands of the Azerbaijani forces, um, churches desecrated and demolished um, and uh, and various other war crimes um, and this uh, this was sort of noted by the world at the time it's, it's quite a serious incident there's a sort of big military campaign by the Azerbaijanis and it involved the Azerbaijanis now occupying that Armenian territory now uh, this I mean this actually links to the the next story we're going to discuss because this is not only about violence in the Middle East we are seeing increasing violence in, in in many parts of the world, and particularly in West Africa recently, but we've also, you know, we 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 talked about Mozambique um, the week before, and we we we've talked about Nigeria constantly in recent times. The story we're talking about this week of violence in Africa is is from Mali and Niger. Yes, thank you, Andrew. Um, unfortunately, in Nigeria, 137 people were killed. Um, which is just near the border with Mali, in an attack on three villages by jihadis, which is uh, reportedly from the Islamic State of the Greater Sahara. This is on the 21st of March. These are the deadliest attacks yet in Niger. Uh, A week earlier, at least 58 people killed uh, by Islamic militants in an attack on four vehicles. Um, We've had a senior Christian Christian leader in Mali who's reported that more than 50 Malian Christians, men, women and children, have been shot, beheaded or burned to death by Islamists. In the Dogon area of central Mali, around 95% of church buildings have been destroyed. And in May 2020, heavily armed jihadis uh, on on motorcycles killed 27 people in three attacks on the mainly Christian Dogon villages. Um, in central Mali, seven Christians have, um, have also been uh, abducted by Islamists between November and the end of March this, uh, this year. And those who have been released, uh, a report being forced to speak Arabic and recite Islamic prayers in an effort by their captors to force them to deny their faith. Um, and many Christians have been forced to leave their homes to seek refuge elsewhere in the country. In some parts of the central and northern Mali, Christians cannot meet for worship, such as the fear of being attacked. I mean, Hendrik, you've been all over these news stories in, in recent years, haven't you? And just observing mm. the, the, terrific, the terrible um, rise in, in violence against Christians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, it's very concerning, the, the rise of Islamic militancy, um, in, in West Africa, but um, elsewhere in Africa, as you've already remarked. I mean, if we go back to, you know, five, six years ago, we would be reporting on, you know, that there's been an attack and, and one Christian um, killed and um, or attack and, you know, multiple 
injuries and so forth. But over the last five years, it seems that increasingly um, the violence um, associated and then the, just the sheer numbers of our brothers and sisters um, uh, is uh, um, you know killed um, or displaced um, or, or or hurt is 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 quite remarkable. I mean, just as Matthew was was um, was reading some of those figures, you know, 137 there, you know, across three villages, um, 58 I think, um, you know, somewhere else, and then in northern Mozambique, you know, it's it's whole villages and you know tens of people um, uh, at a time um, slaughtered. Um, and it's very concerning for us just this this increase in in attacks, but also this increase in in the propensity of violence and um, and, and and deadly violence. Um, very concerning. And I know at the um, you know every time I'm here, I, I urge um, our listeners to uh, um, to to really pray for our brothers and sisters in in particularly West Africa, where this just seems to be gathering momentum, and it's relatively unreported. In, in Western media and uh, um, and certainly very little um, Western political action towards it as well. And let's link it. Let's link it back to our petition, which we urge people to visit the website barnabasfund.org, sign the petition on the Armenian genocide. Our contention is that if we don't recognise that historic genocide we will never be able to get Western governments and Western media to take seriously the rising violence, in, in particularly in sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, across the Sahel region, all sorts of um, militants are alleging themselves to, to IS and to, to, to um, Islamic extremist groups. Um, but particularly that there is many groups who are committing anti-Christian violence and, and a lot of the world's media report that these are just general deaths and it's not discrimination, it's not um, persecution against Christians. But we've had many reports of um, Islamists uh, specifically targeting churches, burning down churches, burning homes, killing Christians, killing pastors, abducting pastors, abducting Christian children. It is, it is targeted anti-Christian violence. Um, that we're talking about across the Sahel region. And as Hendrik said, year on year, it gets worse and worse. Um, and it's increasingly, um, uh, you know, the, the governments are, are, are not reporting it. Um, we're becoming more aware of the situation. Um, so it does very much need our prayer. How much? I mean, just, I mean, we, we can have a, a, a conversation about geopolitics some other time. But actually, it, you know, the, the the fact that Islamic State was defeated in the Middle East, it looks as though it's morphed into something else in in Niger and Mali, doesn't it, um, Hendrik? Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm um, kind of splinter groups, and um, you know, certainly the ideology um, seems to be exactly the same. Um, but unfortunately, you know, over 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 recent history as well, is um, that um, you know we we seem to be quiet when the country does not. Um, Provide some uh, economic benefit to uh, to the West, and then the the, the issues taking place there, um, you know, we, we remain silent on. Uh, and I and you know I, I can't help but wonder that um, that that's the effect in in West Africa certainly as well. With, with Nigeria being part of the Commonwealth, and um, we've called upon Nigeria as well to recognise the number of Christians that have been killed. Um, we've we've had a signed letter to to the, to the um, the Commonwealth about this um, as. You know, as part of the Commonwealth, we should be we should be calling on the world to recognise this this violence. We'll move on now because there is slightly better news um, from Pakistan, and we've you know, and and actually, to be fair, we you know, Christian prayers have 
have been have been answered in some parts of the world. We've seen great developments in Sudan. We've seen um, a new government in Pakistan begin to engage with the with with the Christian community much more positively. Now, in, in Pakistan, we've got the launch of a a new curriculum by the churches. Thank you, Andrew. Yes, uh, we've seen some positive news from Imran Khan recently as uh, as churches have drawn up religious study syllabus for, for Christian students as part of Pakistan's new national curriculum. Um, for the first time, religious minorities are being allowed to offer teaching in their own religious studies as an alternative to ethics. And some of the churches in Pakistan are drawing up a program of Christian religious studies uh, for inclusion in a new single national curriculum syllabus designed to be taught to Christian students as an alternative uh, to compulsory subjects of Islamist or Islamic studies. Minorities will still have to study Islam, but they will also have an alternative uh, of their own to study rather than ethics. Following this announcement of the new curriculum, the Lahore Diocese Board of Education joined with the Pakistan Catholic and Presbyterian Education Boards and the Salvation Army to form the Christian Education Board, and this will advise the government on the content of the Christian studies. A senior member of the, of the board said that the government team finalising the single curriculum had been very receptive to the CEB's proposals and that the board is very confident of receiving government approval. Now, um, Barnabas Fund does a lot of work in education in Pakistan, doesn't it? Yes, we. Um, I think the the latest figures we have is 124 schools. So um, the Barnabas Fund supports Christian schools um, throughout the country, um, which provides um, you know much much needed education. Um, I think in our in our article as well this week, please do go and read it for yourselves because um, just gives a bit of background as well about just the the state of education in Pakistan. Um, and of which Christians are a, are a minority in that country, um, quite often discriminated against um, through the educational system. Um, but um, th- I would just echo that this is certainly a really positive movement um, and um, from the government that has proven quite um, uh, positive towards um, the Christian minorities um, uh, in, in much of what has happened over the last few years with Imran Khan. But uh, um, we need to continue praying um, because the um, the Christian Education Board, um, you know, the new curriculum still needs to be approved. Um, so, um, uh, so let's um, let's make sure that uh, um, we we continue praying for it and, uh, and 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 certainly keep a close eye on this development. Absolutely, as Hendrik said, discrimination within Pakistani schools is 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 rife. And a couple of years ago, listeners may remember that there was a um, a Pakistani child who was murdered by his classmates, a Christian Pakistani child, um, by by Muslim classmates. And um, Barnabas Fund has been very active in in creating and and supporting Christian schools um, that that take. Uh, the Christian children out of that Muslim environment and, and give them a Christian education. But this new use um, will, will certainly um, bring this into the forefront. And uh, you may remember back in February, we reported on an interreligious aid to Imran Khan, um, who is, uh, who's also been working behind the scenes, you know, um, beginning to bring that equality of religious um, to, to anti-religious discrimination in Pakistan. Thank you, Hendrik. Thank you, Matthew. Please visit our website to see all of our news stories. Please also sign our petition. And you can re-watch our supporters event from last weekend. And we've also got a Q&A coming up on the 17th. Finally, the last bit of our housekeeping from this week, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast. And please share it with your church family. It's a good, 
good way of getting news about Barnabas Fund of the persecuted church around. Finally, Hendrik is going to lead us in a prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you um, as we've just had Easter. Uh, we thank you once again for your great love for us that you sent your precious and only Son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross. And we thank you for raising him on the third day. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are alive, um, our living Lord and Savior, and that through you we have access to um, so many blessings and privileges, um, one of which being sons and daughters of the, of the living God, co-heirs alongside you, Jesus, and we thank you for your love for us. Um, we share this privilege with so many of our brothers and sisters around the world, and um, as we uh, discussed in this podcast earlier, we lovingly lift up our brothers and sisters, especially in West Africa, Mali, Niger, as we discussed um, the challenges that they are facing, the opposition that they are facing, the physical threats that they are facing. And we thank you that nothing that can happen to them in this world can separate them from your love that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing that can happen in this world can change the fact that they will spend eternity with you. And we praise you for that and we ask that they will be encouraged, our brothers and sisters will be encouraged by um, living in this reality of the living hope that they have. Um, we lift up our brothers and sisters in the rest of Africa and we just pray for Africa as well and all of these um, regions um, of hotspots of, um, uh, of violence against um, the church. Father, please encourage them, fill them with your spirit, comfort them, guide them, lead them as they have to make, no doubt, many, many difficult decisions. Please help us to also know how best to support them and pray for them. Please help us through your spirit not to forget them. Father, we thank you also um, for this great news that we, um, that we have reported on in Pakistan with this new national curriculum and the formation of this Christian Education Board. And we pray that what um, they will propose will be approved. We thank you for this positive development that's come from Imran Khan. We pray that, um, that uh, this will just be a continuation um, of, uh, of, of further freedoms provided for our brothers and sisters in, in, in that country. And lastly, we just um, commit our petition to you and, uh, and the letters to President Biden and Prime Minister Boris Johnson. And um, we just pray that these letters will prompt something, use these letters um, to, uh, um, to, to, to force uh, these governments, um, the US and the UK, to, uh, to finally formally recognize the Armenian genocide of over 100 years ago. Uh, we commit all of these things to you and uh, we commit ourselves to you now as well. And we ask that uh, you will be with us and bless us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast from Barnabas Fund. Like, subscribe and check out our website at barnabasfund.org.